This is Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe. On ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. Good morning and welcome to Talk Back Gardening. Good morning, John. Good morning, Deb, and good morning, gardeners. Particularly a call out for those that love growing herbs. And there are so many out there. We're going to see whether it's possible to put together your own herb collection. And the person that's going to help us will draw on the authority and the wonderful information of Penny Woodward. She's our top garden writer on many issues, but she specialises in herbs and garlic and tomatoes, <laughs> written books on all of them. But Penny uh, is a regular on Talkback Gardening and she'll be with us uh, in about half an hour's time. So uh, if you would like to more information about herbs, make sure you're listening. And Penny, of course, loves answering questions. And if you've got your specific question, make sure you get it in, in that peri- period while uh, Penny is there. Very shortly, we need to know, is it too late to plant your summer veggies, and is it too early to plant your winter veggies? It would be good to receive a text or two, if mm. uh, Deb, about uh, what people are doing. Are exactly. they planning to do something? And uh, with a why as possible, <laughs> why you're not planting summer. But anyway, I'm going to comment on that and some, some fors and against of both planting uh, in summer or not planting in summer and planting in winter or not planting yet in winter. Okay, so we're looking at, are you still planting your summer veggies out now? Yes, we've still got another 12 weeks, mm. autumn. There's 12 weeks of autumn, uh, so but, but uh, it's a lot to do with soil temperatures and I'll come back to that one shortly. Okay, and if you've already got into your winter veggies, let us know that too. The text line number is 0467 922891. But what we really want is you to call in right now to speak to John. He's here, he's ready to roll on 1300 222891. Uh, Louise at Golden Grove says it's been hotter at Gawler Golden Grove because not everyone there lives in a shady suburb which is true the further north you get the further uh, the heat goes up unfortunately. Uh, Frosty says tying in with the fringe the garden of delectable delights with John Lamb. <laughs> Thank you Frosty. And Rachel in the Southern Hills says I still have plenty of green tomatoes and new self-sown tomato plants popping up from the compost. Last year we had cherry tomatoes until June, so I'll let them keep on going while the plants are healthy. And I think it's important to go back to December when Darren Ray, independent climatologist, said, "John, it looks like the coming summer and autumn is going to be a repeat of the year before." And if you go back to your records, I presume you keep records of the weather last year. It is. It's very, very similar. We had that cool start to summer. And then it got a little bit warmer without the heat waves, without the too many heat spikes. And that's exactly what we're having. And, of course, Darren will be back next week. And I think he'll continue to say autumn is going to be one of those Indian summers where it'll be mild and warm but dry. And so as long as you've got water, I think good gardening. Exactly. Call in now, 1300 222 891. Uh, I have to say that we spoke uh, this morning to the Bureau of Meteorology and Mark Analak, and he said there's been no rain in Adelaide all month, that the last rain was Australia Day. That's right, yes. In fact, and we go back into the month before, I think it was the last rain we had was back in about the third week of January. The important thing, though, is we had brilliant rains in December and also in January. Mm. It came down not in buckets but plenty of it, and that set the gardens up. Mm. If you look at the gardens, the garden plants are saying, we're pretty happy. Uh, We're not getting the heat waves. We've got nice warm weather, Mm. and there's plenty of moisture in the soil, but it's disappearing fast. So make sure that uh, you've got your ground mulched if you want to sort of keep what's left of the moisture in the soil and uh, uh, just... Keep an eye on uh, soil temperatures and, and in particular, the forecast. We'll be talking about uh, whether it's t- too late to, to plant a summer or too early for planting winter veg. Mm. And uh, watching the forecast because they play, well, that, that'll be the indicator of what's going to happen. Yes, exactly. Well, we can't go talk back gardening without you, so pick up the phone and call in right now on 1300 222 891. Tell us on the text line about whether you're still planting summer veggies or whether you're looking to plant your winter veggies. The text line number 0467922891. I have a couple of ABC Organic Gardener magazines to give away a little bit later in the program. Just remember that John's advice is of a general nature and shouldn't be taken as personal professional advice. 
Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide. Give us a call now, 1300 991 I've never seen a start to the program without a caller, so I'd love to hear from you if you've got a question for John Lamb. Uh, we'll have uh, Penny Woodward joining us at half past eight on her Mediterranean herb garden with some advice there. But on the text line, Jackie from Warabara Forest says, Last week a lady called in re a small black flat bug in her fruit. I think it was these, measuring two to three millimetres long. Unfortunately, we've got a bit of a computer meltdown at this end, so you can't see it, John. Um, but uh, says they've been quite the nuisance recently, getting into tips of corn as well as fruit. I'd like to know what they are too. They don't seem to actually eat very much. I'll have to show you that um, when we have a yes, break. Yes, well, I can so have can a look at it. There's, look. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a big difference between uh, the appearance of a little small bee and a carpophilus beetle. And I put my money on the carpophilus beetle. Um, it, when at uh, this time of the year, uh, they just appear from nowhere, but they're there. And uh, when you're getting fall, fruit that falls onto the ground, it mm. starts to break down. And uh, they're called dry fruit beetles because they get stuck into the, uh, the, the fruits as they start to dry. And the big problem with the carpophilus beetle is they uh, eat or get their stuck into the uh, rotten fruit and then they get the fungal spores on their legs and then fly into the maturing fruit trees, particularly stone fruit trees. And uh, if, you, there, if there's a little crack there, and often uh, the, towards the end of uh, uh, maturity, the fruit, particularly at the uh, stem end, it, mm. it splits open and in goes the beetle and it takes in the fungal disease and then you've got brown rot or you've got a fungal disease on your fruit. Mm. And there are no sprays that home gardeners can use to control it. Best thing to do, of course, is hygiene. Pick up your windfills. Yes, I need to do that myself this weekend. Will has called in from Charleston. Good morning, Will. G'day, John and Deb. Love your show. That's lovely to hear. Now, you want some pruning advice. Yeah, yeah, just on um, kale and broccolini. I grow them every year and they last, the plants last sort of between six and 12 months, then um, uh, stop sort of growing and um, stop producing leaves and go to seed. So I've just got two questions for you. Um, the first one is, what is, is there a, a, um, a better pruning technique or picking technique to keep the plants in that leafy stage as long as possible? And the second question is, when the plants are big and mature and they're just to start moving into that seeding stage, is there a way to prune heavily to reset them back to the leafy stage. All right. Well, you can't get them to uh, grow forever and ever. Amen. Uh, they are a plant which uh, most, they're grown as an annual, but they're more perennial. And they grow well in the first season and second year you might get something, but uh, it's usually better to get rid of the old and in with the new. Um, having said the basics, um, I think a lot depends on when you plant that can make a big difference. Uh, when did you actually put them into the ground? Uh, it's either autumn or spring. Right. Either, and we'll or. be talking about the importance of early planting in autumn. If you plant early in autumn, the ground is warm and you get a big root system. The bigger the root system, the more leaves, the more stems, and the longer the plant will last. So concentrate on preparing your ground before you plant and then get your planting in uh, either in early autumn, or I wouldn't go rushing it uh, into, say, uh, early spring. I'd wait till the end of September and put in your spring planting then. Uh, so get timing of it is important. Your soil preparation is important. The other thing is uh, once uh, a stem has basically uh, matured and you've uh, cut it back, it's important to cut it back right back at ground level and try and get rid of all the old as quickly as you possibly can and that allows the new ones to take over. While the plant is growing and producing useful stems, get into the habit perhaps of a monthly organic fertiliser, liquid organic fertiliser, and that just keeps it ticking over and so long as you've got that big healthy root system, you're just giving a little top up with a little bit of organic fertiliser, slow and steady, that should give you, you know, the longest uh, production from those particular plants. But as I say, nothing is forever. <laughs> 
Thanks, John. That's, that's great. Thanks, Will. Lovely to hear from you. Uh, the phone number to call if you would like to get straight through to John Lamb for some advice is 1300 222 891. Helen from Collinswin has called in really on topic, which is still planting summer veggies or have you moved to winter veggies? Good morning, Helen. Hi, how are you, Deb? How are you, John? Um, yeah, my question is, is it too late to put in some uh, zucchinis from seed or do I need to really be planting seedlings if I can? Well, bear in mind that it will take probably uh, four weeks uh, from the time you put the seed to the stage they get to seedling stage. That's if you plant now. Plant in the middle of winter or early spring, it'll take even longer. Uh, so... Um, Let's talk about the issue that I was going to talk about, Deb, if that's all right. And it's all to do with, let's concentrate on summer veggies at the moment. So your tomatoes, cucumbers and zucchinis, they are all fruiting vegetables. And they take longer to actually mature than what I would call a leafy vegetable. Your salad, your lettuces, silver beets and uh, uh, salad uh, veggies and things like that. And so... Uh, you, you then need to watch the soil temperatures. Soil temperatures at the moment are around about 22, 23 degrees, but they drop 3 to 4 degrees each month. So here they are, they were at 22 in a month's time. By the end of March, they'll be around about 18 degrees. You'll still get growth out of your tomatoes and your cucumbers. Uh, and then another month, at the end of April, they'll be back, back round about 16 and we know from planting tomatoes, you need 16 degrees of warmth in the soil if you're going to get any growth. So you've got, what I'm saying is you've got probably about eight weeks of growth for fruiting vegetables, whereas your salady vegetables, your leafy vegetables, they are far more cold tolerance. So I would say I wouldn't be planting tomatoes at the moment. If you've got a nice warm sunny spot, you'd probably get away with planting cucumbers and zucchinis from seedlings, as distinct from seeds. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think uh, that would get you going. And if you enter uh, barbecues, well, get out there and plant plenty of salad-type vegetables, uh, your lettuce uh, and uh, your, uh, some of the uh, Asian vegetables are delicious, but there's a big range of leafy kind of things out there. So that's the summer situation, and I, I say maybe we uh, put on hold. We've got more questions coming in. Yes, so yes. Uh, we'll talk about the winter ones later, providing we have time. So for Helen, it's really a bit too late to plant zucchinis from seed, but seedlings go for it. Yeah, they'll come up, but I think by the time <laughs> that we're getting to the end of April, soil temperatures are going to drop very very quickly now if you had a nice sunny courtyard and it was drenched with sunlight all day you might get away with it and you might get a few cues and a few fruits from whatever you're planting but uh, I would go for good quality healthy seedlings mm. uh, if you really want to get uh, the maximum out of what's left of the season there you go Helen <laughs> Thank you for that. Thanks very much, Helen from Collinswood. Uh, just before we get to Noel in West Lakes, um, on the text line, Louise from Golden Grove says, Cherry tomatoes, mine are fruiting like mad, but all green. I pulled them out too soon last year, so going to keep them in this year, and I hope they colour up soon. Oh, yes, yeah, because it's been cooler, and it's the cooler nights, the cooler the days. Our, actually, uh, uh, our February temperatures are about two degrees above average, and even January was about one degree above average, uh, where whereas our night temperatures are quite different. Mm. And uh, the beginning of uh, January, of February, they were about three degrees below average. <laughs> and so uh, they get warm during the day, but they also need the warmth of the night to sort of allow them to sort of um, go through the process they do. Yes, okay. Um, and Heather at Hope Valley says, managed to get one of my favourites, a French tarragon plant from Diggers. Should I hold off planting until the end of the week? <laughs> well, I would plant this week, uh, this weekend, because we're going to get some warm weather uh, later in the week. Mm. Um, the temperatures are going to go back up into maybe the mid 30s. And the smart thing to do is is wait until you've got two or three days of cooler weather. The temperatures in the, the the 20s, particularly the lower 20s, go for planting. But have a little strip of shade cloth standing by, and when the temperatures do get up to uh, over 30 degrees, pop it over, pop the shade. 
shade over there. Mm. And even if you just sort of put them over, you don't need any structure, just put it over them. And stopping direct sunlight on newly planted seedlings can make a very significant difference on its ability to be able to withstand that stress. We're speaking to Noel about jasmine and then Liz about grapevines next. Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide. Let's head to West Lakes. Noel joins us with a jasmine question. Welcome, Noel. Thank you very much. Um, I have a jasmine on a trellis. It's finished flowering. I've been reading and it says to you can trim them back at the end of summer. Is it too soon yet? Uh, it depends on if, is it in full sun or is it in semi-shade? Uh, full sun. Full sun. Uh, there's no need to rush. I think at the moment those leaves are very, very important and acting as little cool guardy safes. Um, when we get warm temperatures, most of the moisture that goes into the plant goes out through the leaves to keep the plant cool. So the more leaves you've got, the cooler the plant will stay. On the other hand, if you can, uh, with your jasmines, they tend to become a little bit unruly and certainly will benefit from a trim. And so when you, when the hot, hot weather has gone, and I just listened to Darren Ray, what he's got to say next week, uh, I'm suspecting that he was saying that by the, uh, the middle of March, uh, it, I think most of the hot weather will have disappeared. But let's hope so. Anyway, so the, the point there is I would be, be waiting, I think, Noel, until uh, the really over 30 degrees and mid-30 degrees temperatures are gone and then at that stage, trim, but don't leave it too late after that. And if you trim then, but lightly, don't give it a hard short back and sides then, what that does is it, it sets up the little flower buds behind where you've cut. And that means that if you do it correctly, you'll get a much bigger display of flowers in springtime. If you wait until maybe uh, end of March or April to do your trimming, then you don't get nearly the same effect because the plant has got to re-establish its growth when the temperatures are cooler, so it'll do that more slowly than if it does it now, and, and you won't get the same display if you wait too long. So timing is everything. Thank you very much. Thanks, Noel, for the call. Appreciate it. one three hundred triple two eight nine one is the number. Now, Liz is in Darlington. Liz, you've got some lumps on your grapevine leaves. <laughs> yes, I've got quite a large infestation of these little lumpy, um, little lumps. They're kind of not just one little lump, but they're a little clump of lumps all over the vine leaves. I tried eco-fungicide, uh, but it hasn't worked. Um, I read up about it and it said use malathion, but I thought that could be... It's a long time since we've mentioned malathion on this program. But well, anyway. It was on uh, Google, but I thought, hmm, I think no, that's, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well. Sometimes Mr Google hasn't updated or some of the materials up there are still very, very irrelevant. Anyway, we come back. Uh, those little... Uh, you say they've got little lumps. Could they be look like little blisters? So if you look yes, at... Yes, they do. Uh-huh, yes, little okay. blisters all over the leaves. Oh, right. quite well, a large the, infestation on both vines. That's not a fungus, that's a little insect. Yes, I did think it was that, but yeah, I didn't leaf, know how to deal with it. It's called leaf blister mite. And once the leaves have come out and emerged, it's too late. You can't do a thing. You're just stuck with them. Just encourage the plant to grow more leaves, as, as many leaves as possible to get it through the season, but you're stuck with it for uh, until the leaves drop off at the end of autumn. The important thing is um, it can be controlled with a good insecticide, and the most effective one is sulphur, wettable sulphur. Oh, okay. And you need to make a little note that probably it will be late winter or maybe early in uh, springtime. The buds will just start to crack open. And once they've cracked open, you can see a little bit of green, spray it with wettable sulphur. And what you're doing is getting a very effective fungicide with low toxicity, and it lasts a long time. Many benefits of wettable sulphur. It's a fungicide, but in this case, it's also an insecticide, and it's very, very effective in controlling leaf blister mite. 
Wonderful. Well, I'll, make, I'll be making sure that I do that. <laughs> okay. right um, is it possible, if, if, if I don't do it, is it possible that the vines will eventually die? No, no, no. You're fine. No. There are heaps and heaps of vines that have got little bits of leaf, a uh, blistermite. There must be some form of biological control, which I'm not aware of, because uh, it's often, it'll come out early in the season and cause a bit of a problem, but uh, you don't sort of see it de- devastating the whole vine, unless of of course, the vine was under stress, and then right. I think you need to do something about the stress factor. Yeah, and the I have problem. actually uh, looked after it a bit better this last season. I have fertilised it and watered it a lot more. Ah, good. And, and the vine actually sprung into life with lots of leaves, but it didn't get rid of the fungus. It's mm. surprising how a plant can look after itself, and you often hear. Uh, uh, Sophie, <laughs> talking about getting your soil right, getting your plant in good health, and uh, that's a very, very strong philosophy that uh, the, the plant has got the tremendous ability to be able to look after itself. But, so would a general uh, organic fertiliser be the right thing to use? Um, I would prefer, yes, that you, you get into uh, using organics. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the artificials, and if you know how to use them, you can probably get bigger yields and uh, bigger uh, plants, but uh, it's harder to get it right, whereas uh, organics are very, very or, or f- uh, forgiving, uh, and there are many benefits. And, and it helps getting you interested and saying, oh, look, why is it that I'm using organics? And you start reading up on it and singing, oh, look, this is connected to that, which is connected to that. Yes, it's a system. <laughs> it's a system rather than a, a quick fix. Yeah, it's a very complex system, in fact. Well, Liz... I've, I've got, yeah, I've got a bag of organic fertiliser pellets, which I use generally in the garden, so that would be quite suitable. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, lovely. Good. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Liz. Hope you get rid of those blisters soon. Uh, on the text line, which is zero four six seven nine double two eight nine one, you're asking, are you still planting your summer veggies or are you into your winter veggies? Cheryl Whip from Port Pirie says, two weeks ago, planted dwarf beans, telephone peas, I've never heard of those, cabbage, cauliflower, silver beets, snow peas, parsley, leeks and celery all doing well, being covered on hot days with light fabric for protection. That's absolutely brilliant. And where we're going to talk about, is it too early to establish your winter veg? Mm. And there is an example of uh, uh, someone who's actually sort of said, right, most of those uh, veggies that uh, uh, the dwarf beans and the peas and the cabbage, they're all what I would term winter veg. And the thing is, uh, it's to do with soil temperatures again. If you plant early in autumn when the soil temperatures are still nice and warm, 18 to 20 or even a little bit higher, what happens is the plant grows quickly, develops a bigger root system. And so by the end of autumn, you have a big plant. And the bigger the framework of your winter vegetables, because your winter vegetables are basically a frame with with leaves or sections that you start to eat. So the bigger the framework, the more you have. And uh, farmers will tell you uh, that cereal crops or any kind of a crop put in early in uh, autumn will probably have twice, maybe three times the yield of a crop planted in the end of autumn or early winter when the soil is very, very cold. Gee, so are there any winter veggies we shouldn't be thinking about planting? And I'll tell you why. Kate from Woodside says, I'm thinking to pull out my pumpkins as they haven't even flowered yet. I'm (laughs) in the hills and think they're not going to set fruit now. I think that's a good decision. You've got to say, okay, I tried, but uh, in terms of uh, logistics... It would be better getting them out, improving the soil and then starting to think about what can I put in early for winter so that you don't have the dilemma of planting late and then (laughs) it's too late. Uh, I might actually put to Penny Woodward, who's going to be our guest very, very shortly, uh, her thoughts on uh, establishing winter vegetables uh, early Mm. and it'll be interesting to to hear what she has to say. Penny will be coming up very shortly, but we started the program looking at a a bug that was sent in by uh, Jack from Warabara Forest and I have to say someone has just texted saying, I'm walking in Bentley East in Melbourne, just heard Jackie from Rab. She's a friend of my sister in Laura, an amazing artist, sewer of creative quilts and grower of fabulous peaches. Um, so there you go. Well, that's a pretty good reputation. It sure is. <laughs> Jackie, sounds like you're doing it right. Uh, Chukat Moana has, says we've had a, a good crop off their second vine, which is fantastic. We're getting loads of texts on people that have got their 
herbs in already. So we might put those, I think, to Penny in just a moment. Look, so many texts. We'll get to them in very shortly because Penny Woodward, herb authority expert, author, is up next. If you have a herb question... Now is your time to call. Give us a buzz on 1300 222 891. This is Talkback Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide. Penny Woodward is recognised as one of Australia's top garden writers and uh, I think as an author of garden books, they're not just good books, they also end up being award-winning books. Her books on uh, on garlic, I think, is now uh, a reference in many libraries and uh, a wonderful book on tomatoes. Anybody that's got uh, um, herbs for Australian garden, look after that. It's out of print. And I suspect it's going to become a collector's item. (laughs) Um, And Penny has just got this ability to be able to gather the science and sort it out and put it together in a very, very garden-friendly point of view. But this morning, I'd like to say good morning to you, Penny Woodward. Morning, John. Morning, Deb. Lovely to be with you and your listeners again. And I'd love to be able to draw on your authority and your experience with herbs. And it's autumn. I think it's a good time to get established uh, plants established into the garden, particularly herbs, and we might focus on collecting herbs. First of all, perhaps for those that are relatively new to gardening, let's start with what is a herb, and we'll go from there. Well, my my definition of a herb is a fairly broad one, which is any plant that can be used for cooking, medicine or pleasure. So the chances are if you've got a garden, you've got some herbs there, even if you didn't quite realise it. Is it a good time to start planting herbs? Uh, Look, absolutely. What you were saying before about the warm soil applies to herbs as much as to any other plant. The only thing you need to be a little bit careful of is if you're planting them out in exposed positions and we get a couple of really hot days which we may still get um, you'll need to shade them to protect them from that there are so many different herbs and i think in your book your uh, herbs for australian gardens is over 150 different kind of herbs described and so uh, we need to be able to focus on what are we going to plant and the idea, I was just talking to you during the week, and you said, let's talk about collecting, putting together a collection of herbs. And your suggestion, I think, was brilliant, of starting with Mediterranean herbs. So why would we start collecting Mediterranean herbs? Okay, so Mediterranean herbs are the herbs that do well in relatively dry conditions. They like sun, they like good drainage, and they don't need the soil to be too rich. And that makes them really adaptable plants and they're particularly good for, for warmer climates. And, and so the, the herbs that we're talking about are things like sage and rosemary and lavender and oregano and thyme and savouries, which are a lesser known Mediterranean herb. But all of those will do well in those conditions that I described just All right. Could we drill down on some of those? I think people who want to know where to start, what's what's a winner? And if they get a herb going and it it performs for them, they think, oh, I'll try another one. And they become a bit of a gardener then. Yeah. uh, yeah. Look, the best thing to try is one that you think you'll use. Because there's not much point in in growing a herb if you then decide you don't want to use it. But look, one of my favourite herbs is sage. I would never have a garden without sage in it. And I I use it both in cooking and um, medicinally in that, you know, as we come into winter, I make tea out of it for for colds, to prevent colds. So, you know, it's a a versatile herb. You can get the red-leafed form or or purple-leafed form, which is a really pretty one, in the garden um, and it's better slightly better medicinally but you can also get a variegated leafed form so depending on where you want to grow it and and um, and how big you want it to get there are they come in different sizes that's a thought that many people might uh, think that's brilliant i, I see hay, uh, sage is just a sort of a, a low growing plant with sort of fairly uninteresting leaves but there's obviously a, a bit of variation there 
There sure is. And, and look, the flowers are really attractive too. And a lot of um, gardeners don't realise that if you can eat the leaves, generally you can also eat the flower petals in anything that you want to add them to. So it's, um, you can eat sage flowers as well. Um, but look, sage will grow well in a pot. So you can put it in a medium-sized pot. Um, if you wanted to grow variegated sage, that one actually doesn't flower. Um, so and it's a smaller plant, so you can grow it in a smaller pot. Um, so, but as I as I said before, they do need a reasonable amount of sun. They hate having wet feet, so they won't survive in heavy soil in winter. Um, and you don't want to give them too rich a, rich a soil either, because otherwise you get massive growth um, without getting the strong um, oily oil flavours in the leaves. So coming back to the fact that you could put them in a container, that way you yep. can control the soil in terms of drainage and the amount of nutrition and organic matter. Absolutely. Mm. And, the, and the nice thing about the Mediterranean herbs is that you can put more than one in a pot too. So if you get a bigger pot, you could have a sage at the back and you could have a couple of different times at the front um, and you could even have a dwarf lavender or a dwarf English lavender in the middle there. So you, know, you, can, you can make your collection of herbs all in one pot if you'd like to. That was going to be my question to you, Penny, because you see these pots being sold, maybe not in garden centres, but certainly with a whole lot of different herbs in one pot. And I was wondering, are there some that should or shouldn't be grown together? Okay, so if you were talking mint, for instance, you really should never put that in with other plants because it will just take over. And mint likes slightly damper soils and different conditions anyway. But I would always plant mint in a pot, but not with other plants. But the ones that I described just then, as long as your pot's big enough and you look after it and you trim them and actually use the leaves, then you can. all of those will do well in a, in a bigger pot or... Um, a long pot is another way that you could do it, or several pots in a row. So, yes. you know, lots of versatile ways. There's some great little planter boxes, you know, the things that you exactly. probably would have put on the windowsill, but we don't do that. But the, the, it's that shape, that sort of uh, oblong or, or long, skinny shape that uh, gives you that versatility. And coming back to putting herbs together, though, so there's sage, and you've got a little sort of low-growing sage, and uh, you've also got, a, say, a, a rosemary, uh, and that's going to be a much larger what actually happens when you put a, a, a big one into a small one or next to a okay, small one? So look, sages will grow to about 60 centimetres, so oh, they're, they're a reasonable <laughs> sized plant, usually, especially in flower. Um, and rosemary's, um, a lot of gardeners don't realise that you can actually, there's about 20 different rosemary's that you can buy, and they vary from um, prostrate rosemary's all the way through to the really tall rosemaries. So if you if you bought a prostrate rosemary, it could actually hang over the front of the pot so it won't interfere with the growth of the taller plants behind it. So before you buy your herb, look at the label and see how not only tall and how wide it is, and then uh, you can mix, mix and match uh, as uh, your needs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. A, yeah. Um, and can I just say that also with rosemary... Um, the flavour varies from plant to plant. So I always smell and taste my rosemary before I buy it. Um, and it's actually quite good to look for one of the culinary forms of rosemary that have a true rosemary flavour like Chef's Choice um, rather than some of the others that are quite high in menthol, which are not, as I think, as good in cooking. On that particular point, you're saying that not all herbs have a fragrance. Uh, well, that's true. If you look at the range of times, there are times like woolly thyme that has no fragrance, but the common thyme and um, caraway thyme, which is one of my favourites, have fabulous flavours. So, um, you know, it, just because it's a thyme doesn't mean that it necessarily can be used with food. We have Penny Woodward with us at the moment, author and herb expert, former horticultural editor of ABC Organic Gardener magazine. I've got a couple of those to give away later in the program as well. If you'd like to ask Penny a question, you need to call in on 1300 891. Penny, getting a few texts for you. Dino from Sejuna says, I'm certainly about to start on herbs, so this would be a perfectly timed conversation. Says, parsley, basil, dill, coriander, etc. can be grown all year round and 
always make a great addition to home-cooked meals. Um, he's also sent through a photograph, but unfortunately our tech is down for John Dino. He won't get to see that. This texter says, I have coriander, parsley, mixed basils and red leaf lettuce all seeding. I'll save some, sow some and give away to friends. Uh, and this is a question to you um, from Anne, who's actually listening Wangaratta in Victoria, Penny, says, why is Vietnamese mint not featured more in gardens, ponds and culinary uses? I think it's better than basil with tomatoes and I can source it from my pond all year round. Uh, look, I totally agree with her. I think Vietnamese mint is fabulous, but it is and can be weedy. So you have to be quite careful where you plant it. Um, and make sure it doesn't escape into our rivers because it can be a problem weed in those sort of areas. But uh, look, it's a fabulous plant. You can also grow it in pots and grow it in the soil, but you need to keep the soil very moist if, if it's going to survive the summer. And it's got good flavour. Well, it's got really good flavour. It's one of those herbs a bit like coriander that you either generally love it or hate it. Talking oh, of... I know people who can't stand <laughs> Vietnamese mint. <laughs> But there are also people who just see it as absolutely fabulous, and I'm in that camp. The texts that have been coming through are listing a whole range of different kind of herbs, and we've been looking in this morning's program, Penny, about is it too late for summer type of warm season vegetables, and is it too early for the winter type? A couple, basil. Basil, of course, are heat lovers. Is it too late to plant basil? Uh, look, I think if you, I think you could plant it now and still get some good growth out of it. But it, look, it depends where you are and what you. If you've got any sheltered positions, I grow, I grow basil on my deck in a sheltered position right through to the coldest part of winter. So I quite often plant in autumn. But if you've got a very exposed garden, you know, you may only get a few, a couple, a month or so out of it before the the cold hits. Um, and, and the other thing when you're looking at basil is, as I've been saying with the other herbs, is that there isn't just sweet basil. You can also get Thai basil and cinnamon basil and sacred basil. There's a whole range of different basils. So think about growing something like lettuce leaf basil that has leaves the size of your hand. So try some of the different ones as well as the common Um, Our guest is Penny Woodward and on the text line a question has come through Penny saying can you use basil when it's in flower? Um, I got distracted and it's gone into flower but the plant is still healthy. Okay yeah absolutely keep using it and what you should do unless you want to collect the seed fairly, fairly early is to pinch those flowers out and that will encourage the lower growth so you'll get more leafy growth um, and then let it grow to seed in another few weeks and you can collect the seed and replant it for next year. Okay. And also, Leslie says, can you please give me some tips on successful common mint? I'm struggling to sustain it. Oh, goodness gracious me. Surely I, I've not. had that problem as well, <laughs> interestingly oh, come enough. come on. I used to have it, as you said, Penny, just going mad through my garden under my roses. Got rid of that. But now I'm trying to grow it in a pot. I, I can't get it up and running. You must be drowning it. Wet feet, you reckon, um, Penny? Um, well, either one or the other. So either too dry or too wet. Um, and maybe it just wants a bit more space as well. I mean, mint, mint needs to be able to put out runners and establish itself um, well. Uh, so, yeah, I'd maybe put it in a slightly bigger pot if you've got room as well. Wonderful. We are talking to Penny Woodward, author, herb expert. She's here for your calls now. If you'd like to ring one three hundred triple two eight nine one. This is Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide. Penny Woodward is our guest this morning, wonderful authority on herbs, and we're looking at collecting herbs, in particular Mediterranean herbs. And let's come back to your original list, if we may, Penny. We've worked our way uh, by default through most of them, but you mentioned savoury. Now, savoury is something I've never grown, and I thought, well, why would you want to grow savoury? Tell me why. Uh, well, savoury is, is in, the, in the Mediterranean herb group, so it's in the Lamiaceae. Um, but it has lovely, fragrant, richly flavoured leaves that are something like a cross almost between an oregano and a thyme. 
Um, and they're particularly good cooked with beans. So if you're a, a vegetarian and you eat a lot of beans, if you just love your French beans, um, then savoury is the herb to to use with those dishes. And you can get winter savoury, which grows as a low shrub with white flowers, and it's a perennial. You can get Cretan savoury, which has pink flowers and blue-grey leaves and is a really pretty plant in the garden. You can also get summer savoury, which is an annual and you usually only plant it in spring and grow it through summer, which has a finer, more delicate flavour to the leaf. And all of those plants are worth growing and using with your beans. Um, and in particular, they help with wind that you often get from eating a lot of beans. I suspect many. <laughs> I'll bypass that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, you're mentioning not just uh, plain old herb, but the variation on a theme. And I think many gardeners would be amazed at the different kind of basils or thymes. And, uh, uh, of course, you go to your garden centre and they have, they're have they limited in what they can display and sell. Um, the ability to be able to access those, uh, uh, Penny, any advice there? Um, yeah, look, there's, there are some good um, mail order nurseries that have um, re- really good herbs and a range of herbs. You'll find that most of your good nurseries will have a few in each of these these different um, groups of herbs. But it, am I allowed to mention one on air? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mudbrick Mud Cottage in Queensland has been going for years and they have... Um, a fabulous range of herbs in small pots that they mail out all over Australia. Yes, and it's the concept of buying online, plants online, I think, that uh, is growing quite rapidly. And uh, if you go online, you'll find that there are people offering uh, specialist collections, and that's one way to be able to do that. And when you have done that and got it growing, you go to your garden centre and say, look, I bought this in online. Maybe you might like to stock it. Exactly. Yeah, and... <laughs> And it's worth having a conversation with your local nursery people if you're really interested in an area like herbs. Oh, absolutely. Can you get more herbs? Because I know there are wholesalers out there that wholesale a whole range of herbs. But if people don't ask for them, then they don't have them in the nurseries. Exactly. And, and garden markets, of course, are another uh, area yeah, where you'll find specialist growers can go to a garden market and they can offer that wonderful range of different type of plants. Well, Tanya Indeed. in Netherby has called in on one three hundred triple two eight nine one. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning, Deb, John and Penny. Um, Mediterranean herbs I'm fine with. I've never been able to grow dill or coriander, it always bolts straight to seed. Any tips? Okay, so this is you've 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 worked perfectly into what we wanted to talk about today. Absolutely. So. Next question was going to be coriander. <laughs> do you plant so, it now, or when do you plant so, it? So two things about dill and coriander is they hate being transplanted, and part of their reaction to being transplanted, so taken out of a punnet and put into the garden, is that they grow go straight to seed. The other thing is that coriander actually does better if it's planted in autumn, grown right through winter, and then it will only go to seed when the weather really starts heating up in the following spring and early summer. So you get a whole six months out of it. And you can do the same with dill as long as it's not too cold where you live. In the colder regions, dill really needs to be planted in spring. But I would be planting from seed directly where they are to grow. I have a friend and he has a, a, a planter bowl. It's about 30 centimetres wide. It's only 20 centimetres deep. It's made out of uh, um, earthenware. And he just gets a packet of seed, coriander seed at this time of the year and sprinkles yep. it over there uh, and they germinate very, very quickly and he lets the whole lot grow. In one yep. hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tanya, have you been finding that it's been when you've been chance planting them that you've had the problems? Um, I probably have bought them in punnets. Um, I haven't tried dill for a long time, um, but I will try seeds. That's right. a really helpful tip. Wonderful. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate that. Colette of Clearview, I, a very... Sorry, go can on. Can I just add, sorry to that, that it needs to be fresh seeds, so check the date on your packet uh, good advice. Okay, very good advice indeed. Uh, Colette from Clearview says, I grow oregano as a ground cover throughout my backyard. It sits on top of the pea straw mulch, adds green, and my bees love the flowers, grows all year, and I throw it in everything. (laughs) Well done, Colette. (laughs)
There's some lovely oreganos in there, some beautiful ground covers. I've got one in flower at the moment that is just gorgeous. So it a, has a darker pink flower and it is um but you can still use the leaves in exactly the same way penny just on coriander again this texter asks will it reseed or do you need to gather and uh, together and sow it depends a little bit on your garden um they will self-sow but i would always gather some in case the season is against it and you know after they've dropped the seed Okay, now um, Heather at Hope Valley says, I put zucchini and basil seedlings three weeks ago. They're going gangbusters. So there you go. You can still plant your basil now. Um, And Sharon says, I've had sage in a pot for about 15 years. It's prolific and given many progeny to friends. So someone who's endorsing you there, Penny, on how great sage is. Yeah, it's a great plant. And she's doing really well because quite often sage are actually short-lived and only live for about seven to ten years. So... You've got a 15-year-old plant and you're obviously looking after it really well. Well done. We're focusing on herb collections and particularly Mediterranean herbs, but uh, some variations on a theme. It would be interesting, I think, to get your views on whether it's too early in the season to plant your winter vegetables, bearing in mind the soils at the moment, the background, uh, are around about 22, 23 degrees, and they'll drop maybe 3 to 4 degrees over the next month. Uh, Look, I think in our very changeable and unpredictable climate, it is worth planting some of your veggie, your winter veggies now. Um, But if we suddenly got really hot days and you weren't able to shade them, you may be disappointed with what happens. We have Um, not Sorry, I was just going to say there's a lot of cabbage moth butterflies around just now as well so you'll need to protect them from that with some netting. We have a wonderful independent climatologist who is extremely accurate in uh, what he suggests and he's suggesting that Adelaide at least in the southern parts of South Australia will be uh, an Indian summer so it'll be mild to warm without heat waves occasional heat spikes and as you said and having a little bit of shade material uh, to the side if we do get a, a, a short spot. The thing is the spikes of heat are very very short one day, maybe two days, and uh, relatively mild nights, and uh, the plants you know, can cope with that quite well. One other one, while we're talking uh, of time of planting, is garlic. There has been a tremendous amount of interest in garlic from South Australian gardeners, and I put that down to Penny Woodward, <laughs> who uh, for the last couple of years has been on that program talking about there's not just one garlic, there are many different kind of garlics. So, Penny, is it too early or too late? No, it's not too late. Too early to plant garlic, and uh, perhaps um, there's more than just one garlic. Um, yeah, look, it, I would not plant garlic yet. It's, uh, February is too early for garlic. The earliest garlic should go in is mid to late March. Um, And if you're planting, then it needs to be one of the early garlics. So I'd be looking at the turban group of garlics if you're planting early garlics. Um, So that's things like Monaro purple and Australian purple. They're the big ones with the striped striped skins. Um, If planting a little bit later, um, I'd be putting one of the nice artichoke garlics in so they're the ones that are are soft neck they don't actually produce scapes Um, and then a later garlic which really shouldn't go into May is the Creole group garlics and I just think everyone in South Australia should be planting a Creole garlic because they grow better in South Australia than anywhere else Mm. in Australia they love the dry heat that you have um, later in the later in the season so The information that's available on garlic is absolutely brilliant and you've put it together in a a wonderful book. Is it still available? Uh, That one is still available, yes. Yeah, my books are gradually going out of print, but (laughs) I've got a couple of hundred of that one still left. Whereas uh, Herbs for the Australian Garden, Garden. that's out. Is out of print, but my my other small book, Growing Easy Herbs, is still available. I was going to say, if if we want a good book on herbs, what's the title of it? 
Growing Easy Herbs. Growing Easy Herbs. Now, so the, it's an in, introductory book on herbs, but it covers all the ones that we've been talking about Yes, today. and there's a wonderful book that you put out on community gardens, and there's just so many other books. Um, if people want to access your books, they're not generally available. Could you give us your website? And I think that could be very useful. And if sure. it's all right with you, I'll put it in next week's new, uh, Good Gardening newsletter. Thank you, John. That'd be great. Pennywoodwood.com. Oh, that's pretty easy. Easy. <laughs> Pennywoodwood.com.au. Um, yeah. Makes sense. On the text line, Penny, and Mary at Hallett Cove says, are all curry plants edible? I have one with yellow flowers and grey soft leaves. Unsure if it's safe to eat. Okay, so this is a curry plant that smells like curry. So this is not curry leaf that is used in, in cooking. Um, so it is safe to, leaf, to eat, but I, I actually wouldn't bother eating it. You, you can pick the grey leaves and chop them up finely and put them in and there's a bit of a curry flavour, but I, I think there are better herbs around than that. But look, it's a fabulous plant in the garden as the curry bush because it has, and it's very drought tolerant with the lovely bright yellow button flowers. And when it's um, hot, you can actually get that curry smell in the garden, oh, which is nice. really nice too. Uh, Joy at Glenside says, I put two or three stems of sweet basil in a jar of water and it will root within a week and a half for some fresh plants. Yeah, that's a great way of growing it. I should have mentioned that. Thank you. It's a, it, you can do that with quite a few different plants. Um, and you can actually do it with tomatoes too. So you can get a bit of a stem of tomato and put it in a glass of water and it will grow roots and that'll give you another plant. And as Matt Coulter from the Botanic Gardens was saying last week, uh, don't let them grow big strong roots. What you need to do as soon as you see the roots, and uh, there are a number of them out there, is to transplant them. And Matt uh, has got his little solution of making sure that it's very, very... What you transplant them into just to get them started is a very open mix, and he uses Mm. a a mix of 80% perlite and 20% uh, peat moss Yeah, in in, in small containers and keeps them growing in that probably out of the sun uh, all all plants out of the sun, and for the first week, maybe two weeks, they re-establish and establish a strong root system. Then you can transplant, and off you go. Yeah. Okay. It's lovely getting um, information from experts like that who are trying different things. Oh, people like Matt Coulter and Penny Woodward are treasures. Absolutely, they are. <laughs> Helen says, my parsley and coriander grow happily when I allow them to grow where they have self-sown. So obviously like being where they are. Good point. <laughs> yeah. um, Dave from Mount Pleasant has just ordered his purple garlic variety and collected all his seeds each year from his veggie lots of dill seeds as well. And um, We're getting questions in. I'm sorry we're almost out of time we won't have a chance but CJ from Woodside says when your herbs start to set seed it's a sign of the times T-H-Y-M-E-S he's obviously a sage exactly keep the herb puns coming Penny Woodward it's always such a pleasure when you join us and we really appreciate you sharing your expertise with our wonderful talkback gardeners Yes, Penny, thank you most kindly. It really is a delight having you on the program and I just enjoy our chats before you come on air. I learn so much from you. Thank you. Thank you and and thank you to your listeners. Some great questions and advice today. Wonderful. Thanks, Penny. Penny Woodward is author and herb expert. She's former horticultural editor of ABC Organic Gardener magazine. Next week, we've got a couple of very interesting guests joining us. Always wonderful to hear our independent climatologist, Darren Ray, talking about his seasonal outlook for gardeners. Yes, a program full of roses and weather. And until next week, I'll say good gardening.